So my sermon comes from the idea that we as people, we as Christians, have a tendency to argue with other Christians and other people who aren't in the faith. We have a tendency, but the worst thing we do is that we argue with God. And that leads you down a dark road, a a path that you're not supposed to go on. So I, I tried to tackle the three things that I think we argue with God most commonly. So if we go to James 4, 2 through 3, you desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. The first thing we argue with is the things we don't have. Too often we say to God, if I just had a little bit more money in the bank, I could give. I don't do the tithes thing because I just don't have enough. Or we say, if I had a car, I would make it to church every Sunday. Or if God would just give me a new job, I would be able to be a better Christian. And this scripture is telling you that if you're asking God for something and you're not getting it, the odds are you want it for your own motive, for your own purpose. The common misconception that people have gotten in glory churches is that everything God gives you is for you. And the truth is, is everything that God gives you is for his benefit and his glory. And we have a responsibility to use the things that we get from Christ to bring people to Christ. So let's say you do get that new car. Find somebody who needs a ride to church and take them. Or you get that raise and you have more money to put offering in the tithes. We'll start giving outside of church too. We need to start using the things of God for God. And we also just have to stop arguing with God about what we don't have. Because the things we don't have are either not a part of the plan or they're just not ready yet. And by they're just not ready, I mean you aren't. I am not. Maybe that new car isn't ready because you may not have a license. Maybe the money isn't ready because you're not going to spend it well. You'd spend all of it and then have nothing left for church anyways. Oftentimes people get an excess of money and find themselves in an excess of debt real quick. So maybe God's working on you spiritually to make sure you use the money in the right way. So you have to understand it's not about what you want. It's about what you need. And you have to stop having this argument with God because what you're getting into is the idea that you know what you need better than God knows what you need. Here's the thing. Think of your life at its lowest point. I get a picture in my head, and I know we all do. We have that moment that we almost feel a bit of shame, and it's come with us throughout our entire life. That is exactly what happens when you're in control and not God. I find myself thinking about that daily. That's what stopped me arguing with God for the things I don't have, is I start to think about where I was at at my lowest, and I realize that every low point in my life was my fault. It's what happened when I took the wheel. It's what happened when I decided what I needed and not God deciding what I needed. So it works like this for me. I've got three children, but two of them are in there, and they're about to be five. So think of it this way. If I give my children $1 for every good thing they do, right? And then I take 50 cents away for every bad thing they do. By the end of September, they're going to owe me $300. And the Bible never mentions that your behavior comes with reward here. The reward of the Bible is blessing, and blessing does not 
constitute a big bank account. It constitutes joy and peace and solace, and those things are invaluable. And maybe you will have a mansion someday, but maybe you got to wait till it's in the clouds. And it's not our job to decide what we deserve. It's not our job to decide what we should have. Because honestly speaking, if I decided what I should have, my life wouldn't be as good as it is now. There are some things in my life that I prayed to God for and he didn't answer me on. I wanted to be a police officer. I wanted to marry this other girl. I wanted, you know, you all had that, your first girlfriend, your first boyfriend. You just, oh God, I make this the one. And there's nothing wrong with that person, but oftentimes you find it's girl number two or three or boy number two or three that's the one for you. And those prayers that you were sending out weren't for you. And you think to God, well, I don't have the car I need. Well, maybe there's a better car coming down the road. You're looking at a Datsun from 1987 because that's what you can afford when God has got a brand new car down the road for you. And you just got to be patient. And the next big thing that we argue with on God, and this is huge in our community as Christians, is healing. Go to Mark 11.24 now. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Oftentimes we go to God and we pray, but we don't necessarily believe it all the way because it takes faith to believe in God's healing. It doesn't take any faith to believe in your sickness. And so your faith has got to be so strong that the reality of where you are doesn't matter because your, your healing isn't here. It's in the spirit realm. Pastor talked about that last week. There's a different realm where your healing exists. And you've got to believe in that fully and wholly. And oftentimes we tell God, well, I still got that cough. The doctors still don't know what's going on. I'm still feeling pain, God, but I'm just believing and some of us do that to cover our tracks. We've been complaining all day about God not healing us. And then we say the right things because we think it gets us back in line with our spirit. And what you got to remember is that you may have the symptoms of sickness, but you need the side effect of faith. <clears throat> and I think that healing doesn't come easy, but neither did your sickness. Oftentimes what you have done in your life be it drinking or smoking or eating improperly, has accumulated year after year in your life. And some people are healthy all the way up until they're 35, 45. These are things that have taken time, and they've taken time to surface in your body. So to think that healing just goes, doesn't make much sense because we're not on earthly timing in the, in the spirit realm. We're on God's timing. So while you're sitting there counting the clock, God's already got a moment decided for your healing. And you've got to stop looking and saying, God, my healing's coming at 2.30. I know it. You've got to stop putting a time on God. you just got to start praying and believing. Because what we do too much when we pray for healing is we don't believe in it, and then we set a time for God. And we've got to cut that out, because if God says it's so, then it doesn't matter what you feel or what the doctor says you're going through. Your hurt is momentary, but God is eternal. And I think... You know, I'm, I'm about to be 27 in December, and I think I've been through some stuff. And I know I haven't been through as much as some of these people in the room. And oftentimes I, I say as though I'm 50 years old, 
and I feel like I have that much experience, but in reality, I don't. But what I do have is I've broken my back a couple of times, got a messed up shoulder, got a couple of blood vessel problems, and I've been through it. But what I remember every day is as long as I've been living, God's been pulling me through it. Nothing has stopped me yet. And even though I may not have the faith necessary sometimes, he keeps bringing me through it. I was 14 months old and I had a seizure. And my parents took me to the doctor. Well, the doctor gave me some medicine. And that medicine stopped my heart. You see, they... They did what was right, both in the natural and the spiritual realm, because when my heart stopped, they prayed. And it wasn't the doctor's medicine that brought me back. It was their belief in their prayer. I'm standing here today as a product of what happens when you believe in your prayer. So. It's hard for me to fathom now that I think about it, even in my own life, it's hard for me to fathom the idea that the God who created me has to work on my timing and the God who has been healing me my whole life is somehow subject to my timing because my timing didn't work out. The world's healing didn't work out for me. It had the opposite effect. I wouldn't be here today if it was just in the natural But it's in the spiritual realm that we found healing for me. My parents, my grandparents, my brother, my sister, they all prayed and they found healing because they didn't believe in what the doctor said. They believed in what God said. And when God told them I would keep on keeping on, well, they got the best son they ever had. (laughs) Where's Jeremy at? Hey, buddy. (laughs) And now I want to go to 2 Corinthians 3 through 5. Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. This is the single most important thing I'm going to say to you today. And in my opinion, if you understand this section above all else, you'll find yourself living a better life. We've got to stop arguing with God over our own worth. God has got a message for you. God has put something on your heart. You're supposed to minister. You might be a missionary. You might be a pastor. It might be a Sunday school teacher. You might be um, a Bible study teacher, but you keep saying, God, you don't know where I've been. You keep disqualifying yourself. And it happens over and over and over again. And it doesn't matter if you've been in the faith for 10 seconds or 10 decades. It's everywhere. And this is the hard part of this, because we go around saying the devil is a liar. But the hard part on this attack is what the devil's telling you is nothing more than the truth. And that's why it hurts. He's telling you the earthly truth. Yes, you may have been addicted to drugs. Yes, you may have failed. Yes, your bank account may not be where it's at. And so we live in that because we live in this truth. And we've got to start living in God's truth. Because it doesn't matter where you were, who you are, or where you came from. When God calls you, he calls you. And that's all. That's the end-all, be-all. See, God knows where you've been. He got you through it. Not only does he know where you've been, he knows what you thought when you were there. 
He knows how many hairs you lost on your head from the stress. He knows how you felt about it. He knows the loneliness. He knows the sorrow. And he knows it personally because Jesus went through the same things as we did. So not only can he empathize with you, he can sympathize with you. He understands. He's been there before. He felt the same pain we felt. He lost family members. He lost friends. He was ridiculed, spat on, beaten, and abused. So everything that you have been through, Jesus went through with you. He went through in his time on earth and in your time on earth. So we've got to stop disqualifying ourselves when God calls you. It, it breaks my heart because nowhere else but in Christianity do we do that. Everywhere else. You get a car that you don't have the credit for, you take the car. You get a raise at your job that someone else earned instead of you, you take the raise. You haven't been working very hard and someone says, hey, we want to promote you to the supervisor. You don't disqualify yourself there. So why is God's calling on your life any different? You see, we go around acting as if we're not worthy of what God is giving us. And I'm going to get real with you. We're not. But if God has given you something you're worthy, you're not worthy of, just take it. It just take it. If somebody walked in that room right now and said, hey, I got a brand new Mercedes Benz outside. I want to give it to you. Oh, I'm running. I might drop the mic right now and go grab it because I'm going to take things that are too good for me. And you got to start doing that in the spirit realm. Take things that are too good for you because God is trying to get you somewhere. You may not be ready for it yet, but taking it might get you to where you need to be. So we've got to stop thinking about our past as if it disqualifies us. This isn't a hypothetical. I want an answer from everybody here. Are you an authority over God? Let's try that again. Are you an authority over God? Then why do we think it's our place to qualify or disqualify ourselves? I'm not the boss. I go to an insurance company and I work for a man named Kevin Chapman. And if he tells me I deserve a $13 raise, I know I probably don't. But I'm not going to argue with him because he's my boss. He owns the company. So when God tells you you're the next Sunday school teacher, he already knows what you've been through. He qualified you and he knows that you're ready for it. It's not about when you're ready. It's about when God's ready. Time and time and time again in the Bible, the people God used were not ready and not worthy. Those were just men when he called the disciples. They were no different than you and I. And at the end of it, some of them even continued to fail. They denied God. Some of them, one of them in particular, denied God. So he continued his whole life to not be worthy of it. But you know what God did instead? He just let them be. Because God loves to use the unqualified. God doesn't walk into a building and find the most qualified person. He walks into a building and finds somebody and qualifies them. Because he wants everybody to be used. So I'm going to say this from this church and from Christianity. If you're a drug addict, if you had problems with alcohol, you've been through divorce, you've had trouble in your life, you got more debt than you can handle, good. That's the kind of person God uses. It doesn't matter who you are, what you are, and where you've been. Because when God calls you, oh, you're qualified. There's no greater qualification than the creator of all saying, that's my choice. 
I think of it this way. If I were playing basketball and we were to break up in teams and somehow I was playing basketball with the starting lineup for the 96 Bulls and Michael Jordan had a choice and we broke up in teams and we we're going to play a little three on three. And Michael Jordan says, well, I got Pippen and I got Rodman. Hey, you over there, you're on my team. Oh, I'm not qualified to play basketball with them. But if Michael Jordan says I am, oh, baby, I am. And you, get, and you can guess for sure you will hear about it every Sunday for the next six years. <clears throat> I played basketball with Michael Jordan. The same man that was in Space Jam. The single greatest movie that has graced our TV screens. And here's the reality, guys. God's not in the business of giving us what we deserve. Because if he was giving us what we deserved, he would have never gave us Jesus, and I'd be headed to hell with a gasoline jacket. We don't deserve what God is giving us, but that's not the point of Christianity. You don't get what you earned, you get what Jesus earned. Maybe, maybe what the devil is telling you was true one time. Maybe that was true in 97, 2003, maybe as soon as 2014, maybe it's still true. But when God says something, it becomes the truth, the only truth. And when you say, God, I can't do this, that's okay. Because when you're not enough, God fills you up and that's the way it works. God doesn't qualify you so you can go around and live in your own power he uses people who need a lot of Jesus because those are the people when people say, hey, I can't believe you preached that sermon last week. You have to admit it was God. He uses people who have no other choice but to admit they can't do it without him. And I want you all to know from this church and from the words in the Bible, God doesn't care who you are. He sees you for you. The spirit you, not the earthly you that keeps making mistakes and keeps falling apart. He sees the inside. He sees what really matters. Yeah, you might have had some problems in the past. Yeah, you might have had addictions. Yeah, this might be your third marriage. But guess what? God doesn't care about that because he sees somebody who's tenacious, who's been through it, who can relate. He sees something great in you. And no matter how poor you think you are, God has made you rich and the experience that you had in life is not a problem. It's a part of your plan. God's going to use that. Some of the most powerful things I've heard came from people who failed over and over again. There's an old wrestler named Mark Marrow, and I just watched a video the other day of him. And he was talking about how his mother kept telling him that he needed to get out of the crowd that he was in. He was around drug addicts and he became one himself. See, what happens with wrestlers all the time is they, they go through physical pain. So they take pain medication and then eventually they start to feel good on the pain medication. So they get addicted to it. And his mother saw the path he was headed down. And he stood in front of a school full of people and he told him, my mama told me one day, son, let me talk to you. And it was 2.30 in the morning, and he didn't want to talk because he knew he was too high on the pills to talk to his mother. So he told her, leave me alone, and went to his room and shut the door. Well, one day he was on the road between one event and the next, and they gave him a call, 
And they said, Mark, your mother died. And he told all of these students that that was the single most important moment in his life. Because that's the moment he realized he had to change. And instead of disqualifying himself based on his past, he picked his feet off the ground. And he dropped wrestling. He dropped the pills. And he went to schools and he started telling kids, watch who you're hanging with. Because they have an effect on you. Watch the things you're around because they make you who you are. And never ever tell your mama you can't talk to her because there's going to be a day you wish you could. And if he would have disqualified himself from that, he wouldn't have found his true calling. I'm a big wrestling fan. Mark Marrow is pretty fun to watch, but his true calling is touching those kids' lives. And he found that out. And the pain and the suffering and the hurt that he went through was for a purpose. And so was yours. So yeah, you've been through it. God knows. That's a part of the plan. Maybe you're still going through it. Doesn't matter, guys. I'm still going through it. We're young. We're building our life together. We don't have it all together up here. I know I look like a million bucks, but I went to, I went to a Savers to get this. These pants were on somebody else at some other time. This shirt probably was some, on somebody else some other time. We had to wash these clothes when I bought them because we don't know where they came from. <clears throat> but I look good. So the importance of this message is that we've got to stop arguing with God because it's not our place. And all you're doing is wasting time. Because the thing God wants for you, it's going to happen. It's going to show up. I know that from experience. My first sermon was when I was 15 years old. I got to be about 19 or 20, and I just stopped coming to church. Happens all the time. And it wasn't that I didn't like the church or that I was angry with God. I just, the devil hit me with a lazy button. And I came back to church and I felt guilt for leaving. And then one day God told me, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you did. My father told me, hey, I've got you on the calendar to preach. And I thought to myself, oh, no, 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 no. I can't get on the stage. I haven't been here for as much time as I wasn't here. See, I thought I had to make up the time that I lost. And God told me, no, you've got lost time. You've got to get back to it now. And I tried for a moment to disqualify myself. Harold has told stories about this. Buddy has told stories about this. From a pastor's perspective, you can run all you want. But one day you're going to be on the stage with a microphone looking at some notes. It does not matter. All you're doing is losing time. If you're supposed to be the Sunday school teacher, you're wasting time. You have to go to the next batch of kids now. Just get started. Just stop arguing with God over everything in your life. And this Sunday on the bulletin, the new bulletin we have, on the back, there's a follow-through. And what this follow-through is for is to help you find the solution to this problem. And the solution is positivity. Everything you do in Christianity is positive. And if you're feeling negative or you're having a negative impact or you're speaking negative words, you're doing it wrong. Every single Christian thing you do has a positive impact. So if you work on your positivity, you cannot fail. You cannot argue with God. You see, a positive prayer means I believe in what I've got coming on for me. A positive person doesn't look at their own past and they just say, you know what? 
Doesn't matter where I've been. It's where I'm headed. A positive person doesn't look at the neighbor's car or the neighbor's house and say, man, I wish that was mine. They congratulate their neighbor for being able to get what they got. So work on your positivity because it is so important as a Christian. Even, and the biggest thing is you've got to get out of yourself. You've got to stop living in your past. Live in God's today. It is so important. And I wish all over the world I can change people's perspectives because it breaks my heart to watch people stand in front of the great healer, the great creator, the great planner, and tell them that they're not enough. They're on their knees and they're saying, God, please do something with me. Please fix this. Please help. And they just don't understand that God already knows. God doesn't care. God's going to fix it. So maybe you've got something on your heart today. Maybe it's your healing. Maybe you're thinking about something that you don't have. Maybe you're thinking about your past. I'm going to take a moment and I'm going to set the mic down. And I want us all to reflect upon ourselves and get in our heads to stop thinking like that. It's real. The healing, the plan, the forgiveness, it's real. For those of you right now who are worried about their healing, it's coming. Just believe in it. For those of you who are coveting things that they don't have, God's going to give you what you need. And you've got all you need right now. God's got more than enough for you. It doesn't matter what your cup looks like. It's going to flow over no matter what. And for those of you who are stuck in your past, the best part of forgiveness in Christ is that it comes with him forgetting. And when you keep bringing up the things you've done wrong, God genuinely doesn't remember what you're talking about. He scratched that off in your book. It's not on your record anymore. It's not our place to decide what goes on in our life. That's God's. And if we just live in it, we'll find true happiness. Get out of your head and get in God's spirit. Live there instead. Wake up tomorrow and be happy. It's a choice, guys. Positivity, happiness, that's a choice. You've got to make it every day. Make it. Because God called you to be a light, a positive light. And somebody needs what you got. Somebody's going to look at your life and say, wow, man, I wish I could be like them. You're an inspiration to someone. You may not have met them yet, or you might be inspiring them right now without knowing it, but you're an inspiration to someone.
So be proud of yourself. And I'm going to close with this. Jesus loves you. No matter what you've done. I mentioned earlier that my children are in the other room being watched. And there is nothing on this world that they could do to break my love. I may be angry. I may be hurt. I may wish things were different at times in their life, but no matter what they've done, I'm going to love them. God is your father. And just as I am their father, God loves you. It doesn't matter. He doesn't say to you, boy, I wish you were different. God's proud of you. He's proud of you. Keep that in your mind. Your father is proud of you. Father God in heaven, we thank you for being here in this house today. We thank you for touching people's spirit and touching people's hearts and letting them know that you love them. Not their Sunday best. God, you love them at their Saturday worst. You don't love them in a suit and tie. You love them in their pajamas watching TV at home. God, you love us all with unyielding love. So we thank you for that, God. And we're going to wake up every day from this moment on and be positive, be happy, and try our hardest to use what you've given us for good and for light in this world. In your precious and holy name, I pray. Amen. Thank you all.